Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Matt Christensen and this is the Matt Christensen Hour. It's the debut program on Tenet Media. So thanks to Tenet for hosting and thanks to you, dear listener, for stopping by. And with me, as he will be going forward, is my former call screener, now producer, down under, Tim. Tim, how are you this fine evening or this fine tomorrow in the Australian future? Yes, hello. Welcome from the future. Um, yeah, I'm not going too bad. A little bit nervous, and we'll have to see how this goes. And you know, hopefully there's not too much duct tape yeah. needed tonight, but we'll see. We'll Likewise. See. Uh, lucky for us, the first episode of anything is supposed to be crap. So that's the bar this evening. And it's so early in the show's history, I don't even have a proper intro for it. I know I take so much pride in my Sunday show intros. We are working on a proper intro with uh, my music guy, Chris, who listeners of my Sunday show will know for his famous uh, Hero Soap Company ad and other contributions. So it's going to be cool, I promise you. This is, uh, as always, an ever-improving duct tape production, even if the pace of the improvement is slow at times. But hey, we're right in the middle of the thrilling third Republican presidential debate. I thought it was going to be boring. It actually was kind of spicy, and we'll catch up with some clips because Vivek Ramaswamy is just going hard on everybody. I thought maybe this was going to be the time where some candidates try to separate themselves from the rest because someone's got to rise up to challenge Trump, and it seems like Vivek's trying to be that guy tonight. So that's been pretty entertaining. We'll we'll, uh, check in with that. I won't check in live because I don't want to tempt the copyright police. Sometimes that's an issue. So we'll just check out a few clips that happened uh, just moments ago during the debate. Meanwhile, we have fresh election results from yesterday. Once again, an unpopular party under the leadership of a historically unpopular president crushes again because people will vote for their own continued suffering, apparently, so long as they can legally kill their kids. That is the most important and motivating factor for many a voter, it seems, or legally kill their clumps of cells, depending on your viewpoint. But abortion is a driving force for voters And uh, even some conservatives and some pro-lifers are starting to say, well, maybe we got to walk away from this issue. Maybe we got to compromise on this issue if we ever want to win an election again. We'll consider. Plus, uh, of course, the major story of the week, Stephen Crowder's team obtains three pages of of the uh, Nashville Transgender Shooters Manifesto. And uh, I still don't know if I'm even allowed to utter the words in the manifesto. Because specific citation, or at least the images, are now being banned from Google and Meta platforms. Plus, the cops who leaked it are apparently out of a job, or soon to be. It sounds like several of them are on leave now. And then if we have time, uh, I have several other interesting stories to discuss. But for now, the Matt Christensen Hour is indeed one hour. So if we're successful, maybe um, like the Matt and Blonde show, it can grow from an hour to three. And just like the Matt and Blonde show, it can change names too. So uh, hopefully, Tim, we make this last long enough to uh, make it the Matt Christensen three hours in the future. Yeah, yeah. And realistically, I I think because I believe back in the day, Beauty and the Beta was essentially named for an audience participation. I think you kind of uh, kind of jigged a little bit and changed it slightly. So probably if people have an idea for the name of the show, that would be good if they want to contribute it. Um, well, I don't you know, know how I feel about you? people telling me how to run my show. So let's stop yeah, absolutely. right there. Make sure it's no. really aggressive when you tell them the name. This is know? the Matt Christensen hour. And by the way, since I'm graciously hosted on Tenet, I, you know, I have this, this space 
for 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. Not that there's anybody coming up at 10, but in the future, perhaps there might be. Anyway, I want to start with just what to expect from this show. Because I would assume most of you listening tonight are listeners of the Matt and Blonde show or the former call-in show that we had before. If you are brand new to me through Tenet or otherwise, of course, thank you for giving me a chance and we're glad to have you. But if you're a longtime listener of my other shows and you're coming to this show expecting Tim to be blonde or expecting this to be some kind of call-in show carryover, that's not what this show will be, at least in its initial design. Uh, Not that anybody can substitute for blonde anyhow. And lucky for you, Tim, that's not what I'm asking you to do. Uh, If that is the expectation, we will certainly be failing. Uh, Of course, I want the focus of this show to be news and political analysis that properly considers first principles first. And I hope it will be an opportunity to offer more of that on a weekly basis in a little bit tighter, more focused format. But as this show progresses, I also want this to be a place where I have opportunity to host some bigger guests. And for those of you coming over from my Sunday show, which will continue, as those of you who listen to it, I think are aware, as we've discussed. But I love the Sunday show, and that's why nothing is changing about it. I love the community that that show has become, and I love the spice, and I love the endless colorful jokes from the chat, uh, among the other vulgarities. But it is clear that there's another side to that coin. And Tim, you can speak a little bit to this, too, in your experience, because in addition to being our our call screener, he's also helped me out with a bunch of assistant tasks. And one of those tasks is attempting to secure guests. And several times in our back and forth of attempting to book guests, uh, both myself in years prior and Tim recently, we've had some big guests respond with interest and then their lawyers look at the show and then they ghost never to be heard from again. And that's if you are successful in contacting them in the first place. But that's not to say I'm trying to censor myself to appease others. Uh, I'm not. If someone wants to stay away from me because of views, I hold a B or C that's fine. I'm just saying I'm trying to class it up like 50%, maybe, maybe a little bit more. I don't know. I'm trying to cultivate a space that I think will, will, be a little bit more comfortable for the sort of one-on-one interviews that I'd like to get. And that doesn't mean that I'm trying to get, oh, like this big famous person because I want to, you know, I want a clout chase or something. I really want to talk to people who are in the news, like the newsmakers, the people in the stories I talk about. That is one area I've not really been able to explore in the content that I make. And I think that having a space that's a little more dedicated to that will be a productive use of my time. So that's what I'm trying to do is, is build a show that is approachable for the sort of newsmakers that I'm looking to get. But Tim, I don't know if you had any thoughts about uh, guest securing and and the sort of difficulty that has been. Yeah, realistically, I mean, admittedly, I don't know if any have contacted you directly and said, you know what, I want to back out. So I don't know if that's happened No, they just ghost. They never give me the... uh, Yeah, fair fair enough. They just leave. Um, Yeah. And... And it does it does depend on the nature of the guests because there are some where you're contacting them through lawyers, um, just because maybe it's that they've been in legal trouble or that they've got an attorney because they need to be careful of what they're saying that sort of stuff. And yeah, you definitely get some that are very keen at the beginning and then it sort of drops off a cliff for whatever reason. We don't even always know why. They went and looked at the um, super chat, and then, you know, I possibly. And I want to stress, I am not taking shots at our audience or taking shots at anything on the Sunday show. There's a reason I'm continuing the Sunday show. I love it so much, but it, it, there are kind of trade-offs in determining how you want to organize the show. And 
Some people, I think, are scared away from what can be, uh, I don't know, spicy, edgy, whatever. And I understand that. I just wish they wouldn't ghost me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, to be fair, they're probably listening to all the soup chats and going, who is this degenerate that's making love to his entire audience? What is going no, no, on? That's that's a Matt and Blonde show reference only. We don't we don't discuss these things. Fair enough. Over Fair here. Enough. We'll be in, uh, we I think uh, I think I have one moderator in the chat. If anyone discusses making love, Matt and I once made love, you're banned. That's not welcome on tenant platforms. No, I mean, I again, I don't want to I don't want people to get the impression like, oh, I want to be so squeaky clean and make everyone feel really happy and never talk about anything controversial. That's not what it's going to be. I just want uh, a place where I think some people that I'd like to talk to would feel a little bit more comfortable to have those discussions. That's all I'm aiming to do. And if they still say no. Well, then screw them and we'll have a fun stream anyway. And that's another thing I want to emphasize. Like when I sat down to do the Sunday stream in 2016, I did not envision it becoming what it is now in so many different ways. And so I'm sure if this show is blessed with a a long tenure, it will develop in in similar ways, too. But I I will say, of course, uh, people who are are coming to listen to this show, it's going to take a minute to do all these things that I'm talking about, like. Am I going to be able to secure the kind of the kind of names I want tomorrow? Probably not. I got to establish this show a little bit. Obviously, ten inch channels have to be established a little bit. We're starting straight up from nothing, so it's going to take a few weeks. Like it might be a few weeks of just uh, just Tim and I going back and forth on the news, and then we'll uh, we'll see who's interested in joining us. Uh, so that is the plan. Uh, as far as audience interaction. Now, we are on Tenant's platforms. My understanding is we're not doing Super Chat for now. That could change in the future. Uh, but we are keeping up with your thoughts in the chat as well. Tim, what do you have to say about that? I do have to make a note because uh, I think it was uh, Ninja Kitty before did post the non-YouTube chats. Uh, from what I understand, you're not taking them from any any uh, place. Right, yeah. So Thank- not just on YouTube. Thanks so. to our mod there, but yeah, I should clarify. Super Chat right now is not a thing on Tenant as far as I'm aware. Uh, unless there is, I don't even know if it's enabled. So I'll have to check up with that. But as we go on with the show, I'm going to try to think about ways for audience and corporation too. Maybe we bring back some calls. Maybe we bring back some email questions like we used to do on the old Wednesday show. Just sit tight on that for a minute. We'll see how to incorporate some audience participation and sit tight on the audio show. Uh, We're working on that. I've I've had many people email me and say, hey, I love to listen to the Sunday show or the Wednesday show, the the former call-in show. uh, But I listen on podcast platforms. Is there going to be an audio feed of this new show? And um the answer is yes, but the rest of the answer is that Tenet has not set that up yet. But my sources say that is coming in the near future, and I will announce it as soon as possible. So uh, before we get into the debate, I don't know if you had any more thoughts just at the inception of the show here, Tim, to offer to the audience. Yeah, so I probably will just reemphasize what you said, that I'm not going to be blonde. I'm not going to be braiding my hair on camera, guys. Stop asking. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anyone has asked that. I'm just being a smart ass here. Yeah. Uh, Only yeah, I no, get I'm the not... Tim face reveal. I'm looking at it right now, but none of the rest of you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not blonde. Uh, it's not going to be a co-host thing. It's not quite like that. So don't necessarily expect that the structure of the show is going to be quite like the Sunday show. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different. I will be chiming in. I will try to keep an eye on the chat as much as possible i'm not great at multitasking though so we'll see how that goes uh i'm under dangerous spaces at the moment guys i'll figure out if i stay with that in future weeks uh so if you just tag that uh name when you see it come through um but yeah no i'm looking forward to just seeing how this goes and i I say let's just get to it so 
Well, uh, the debate is going on right now, and I listened to most of the first hour. It continues for a second, as far as I understand. And I thought this was going to be a bore fest. I thought I'm going to cover this for about five seconds. It might be a little bit longer than that because it actually did get mildly or moderately entertaining for a few seconds. But the first clip of relevance, I don't know if you caught this, Tim, but before the debate even started, everyone in the audience was chanting Trump and until they asked them to please stop doing that, which I thought was a pretty good representation of this entire event. But here's what that sounded like. Really hard for us tonight, okay? So we're so excited. Okay. Guys, we worked really, really hard for this, so please don't spoil it with your Trump chants. I actually don't know who that was. That Ronna McDaniels, the uh, embattled Ronna McDaniels. I don't know, but the the heat in this debate uh, was really turned up when uh, Vivek Ramaswamy went after. Uh, what's her official title? Uh, Ronna McDaniels. She's uh, Republican Party chair, uh, or whatever she is. DNC. DNC RNC. chairwoman, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, RNC. Yeah, RNC. Uh, uh, yeah, chairwoman. Anyway, she's she's the lady who's responsible for trying to secure Republican electoral wins and uh, organizing the uh, GOP primary debate schedule and all of that. So Ramaswamy just starts roasting her, saying, why are we even on this debate stage with these ridiculous mainstream media journalists? We should be on Joe Rogan's show with Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson, and everyone would watch that instead of this crap. Here's what he said. People there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. Uh, it would actually kill in the views if you had a, on, for example, uh, when, when Bernie Sanders went on Joe Rogan, that was great. And I can't stand anything Bernie Sanders believes in, but it was really cool to listen to a candidate explain his ideas thoroughly conversationally without the kind of restrictions that the standard debate format, uh, entails. And so that, that was pretty cool. I would like to see that Ron McDaniel should do that. Well, I think another thing that needs to be kept in mind with people is you, you're you not necessarily as in uh, the media is not necessarily going to have the same mindset as your average person. They're going to be, they are quite removed. I don't know if you remember after the 2016 election, I think it was Van Jones was talking about how, you know, I had to go fly to the other side of the country to basically understand why people voted for Trump. And it's yeah. like, if you can't just walk down the hall and ask one of your colleagues why they voted for Trump, that's a problem. That's well, an issue. You, yeah, when you live and in so the I, bubble, you live in the echo yeah, chamber. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and so I think if you're doing something like going on a Joe Rogan show, that's going to be someone that's a lot closer to just your average person wanting to ask questions, trying to understand your viewpoints, your policies, your ideas, yeah. what you're going to do. And so, you know, well, it's probably a good idea. That's a question. What is the purpose of the debate? Is the purpose of the debate to search for truth or is it to dunk? And I guess they're not mutually exclusive. I guess you could kind of have a little bit of both. If the, if the purpose is to dunk, then Ramaswamy tried that too. He, um, he went after Nikki Haley and I guess Ron DeSantis too. With a line that is uh, quite Trumpy. I think this one's going to stick a little bit. 
He said that Nikki Haley is Dick Cheney in three inch heels. That's the choice we face. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first? Or do you want Dick Cheney in three inch heels? All right, Mr. In which case we've got two of them on stage. Ramaswamy, thank you. Okay, if you didn't hear the end part, he said Dick Cheney in three inch heels, in which case we've got two of them on stage tonight, which I assume refers to Ron DeSantis and his boot gate. As in, is he wearing those uh, elevated boots to increase his height artificially? Now, Haley later came back and said, no, 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 they're five inch heels. And uh, DeSantis came back and said, mine are six, I'm told. Now, they didn't even let Haley respond initially. The moderators didn't. They just moved right along, which, I mean, I'm not a huge Nikki Haley fan, but it did seem kind of like poor form where you let a guy take a direct shot and then you don't let her respond to that accusation. They did come back to her and she and she uh, that was her response. Her response was, uh, you know, I'm wearing the five inches. I figured she was going to praise Dick Cheney. That's the direction I thought she would go. Well, that's actually a compliment because Dick Cheney was an honorable man who served this country admirably. That's not exactly the route that she went. But uh, lastly, the the interesting thing I saw from the debate in the first hour, again, Ramaswamy, I'm not trying to you know be a, a, a Ramaswamy fan here necessarily, but he was the only guy that was, in my estimation, saying things interesting on the stage. And again, taking shots and trying to separate himself from the pack, which someone's got to do because we're running out of time here. So uh, Ramaswamy went after everybody else on the issue of Ukraine and said, hey, I was the guy urging caution on all of this blind Ukraine support. Guess what? Now all of you are up here talking about, well, maybe there should be negotiations with Putin. Maybe we should cut back all the money and other resources that we're sending to Ukraine. And he described all the ways in which Ukraine is not really a, a democratic place including even calling uh, Zelensky, I guess, a Nazi. Mr. Ramaswamy, are you persuaded by President Zelensky's urgent new plea? Where do you stand on more funding? I'm absolutely unpersuaded. And I'm actually enjoying watching the Ukraine hawks quietly, delicately tiptoe back from their position as this thing has unwound into a disaster. The first half of this race, I was the only person standing for it. Now they're actually quietly coming around to being more cautious as they should. Level with the American people here. Ukraine is not a paragon of democracy. This is a country that has banned 11 opposition parties. It has consolidated all media into one state TV media arm. That's not democratic. It has threatened not to hold elections this year unless the U.S. forks over more money. That is not democratic. It has celebrated a Nazi in its ranks, the comedian in cargo pants, a man called Zelensky, doing it in their own ranks. That is not democratic. More facts for you that you won't hear from the mainstream in either party or the mainstream media. The regions of Ukraine that are occupied by Russia right now in the Donbass, Luhansk, Donetsk, these are Russian-speaking regions that have not even been part of Ukraine since 2014, that other people probably couldn't name those provinces for you. Those are the hard facts. And so to frame this as some kind of battle between good versus evil, don't buy it. Okay, so going hard on Ukraine, which I, I'll be interested to see if that's a, a popular position or not but uh then everybody kind of went after ramaswamy for you know his transgressions against the uh the other holy land at this point ukraine so i don't know do you did you catch that uh ukraine portion at all before we went live yeah yeah the uh, yeah in terms of uh what vivek was saying i mean he's not wrong there's been a bunch of that reported and you had biden what was it 2021 i think it was before they started sending, you know, everything America had over to Ukraine, even said himself that they're a very corrupt, you know, country, that there's a very corrupt system there and stuff like that. And 
I don't even know why the switch happened, but yeah, I think he was right to call stuff out in terms of you know um, the you know the election in terms of banning parties in terms of uh, you know calls to potentially not run elections things like that. Yeah, I, he's absolutely right, and he's the only guy doing it. I got to respect the courage to do that, whether or not I agree with Ramaswamy's positions, which you know, frankly, I I, I agree with a lot of things he says, but. He's he's willing to take those positions that nobody else would. And then after that, Ron DeSantis came out and said something to the effect of, well, when I'm president, there won't be any boots over on the ground over there. American boots, that is. Yeah, great. But like only the the hawkish, the hawkest of hawks are are even considering such a thing. So that that can't really be the standard here. And speaking of DeSantis, uh, DeSantis is well, it's it's kind of DeSantis and Haley one and one A in terms of who will be a possible challenger to Trump. Maybe neither. Maybe none is the answer. But man, for a guy who is not picking up ground in the polls, and I'm not even a DeSantis hater. In fact, I thought he was going to be easily the primary challenger to Trump. I thought he had a lot of momentum out of Florida. A lot of people admire how he handled Florida and COVID, myself included, by the way. But he has just not been able to generate that momentum and I thought maybe this is the time where we'll we'll actually see him take some shots to to challenge the rest of the field challenging him. Not really. I heard him challenge Trump a little bit and say, you know, Trump needs to um, explain why Mexico didn't pay for the wall. And Trump needs to explain why we keep losing these elections. And I won in Florida. And that's great. I just don't I don't see him separating himself from the pack, though. DeSantis. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't. I just don't see it. I don't see where that momentum is going to come from. And he's not generating it. He's not taking the shots that he needs to. He's he's playing it safe as though he's ahead by forty, and he's not. He's got to come up with something to really shift the momentum here. And it's just not happening. So I don't know. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on the debate before I move on to uh, yesterday's elections? Well, I think in regards to DeSantis, you got to be very careful attacking the guy that is basically has all the momentum, has all the sport, has all the backing behind him. Got to be very careful attacking that guy. You know, like, I think Vivek may have said some stuff along the lines of, I think Trump did great work. I think he was a really good president. But, uh, yeah, we need to maybe move on. I don't know if that was Vivek. I know I've heard people say that. Um, So he probably does need to be careful of that. And I think the other issue is he is... I believe he's got a different campaign manager at the national level than he has had at the, at the they state They all should level. be fired, every single one. Yeah, yeah, and they're horrible. They just <laughs> yeah. don't seem to be very good at this, so yeah. he needs to get rid of them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, I, 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 I do. I really have no hate for, for Ron other than the occasional laugh at the, the boots jokes, but... Uh, but something's not, not working there. Like you, you got to get this turned around. I don't know. I'm not in position to be campaign advisor guy and say, obviously do this, but something is not catching fire for him. Another issue I do have, and I wonder how many people think this, and maybe I'm just, you know, one of the rarities in this. He got himself reelected to the governor and the governorship in Florida. And less than six months later was basically saying, oh, well, screw you guys. I'm going to go try and get something bed, uh, yeah. bigger and more prestigious. I've heard Floridians say that. How many- yeah, love him yeah. as governor, uh, want him to stay Florida governor, wish he would continue to serve as Florida governor instead of being gone all the time. I've heard, I've heard that criticism too. Yeah, but yeah. in fairness, he wouldn't be the first guy to do that. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of politicians who serve in certain offices with aspirations toward another one while serving. You know what? I just want to address something in chat because this people may be curious about this. Uh, your 
your kind of twice weekly video, mm. you're going to find them on this channel now. You're going to find them yeah. on Tenant just and for Fiery Waco. So there has been one on there already. So go looking for it in Tenant. You will find it there. And if you lose, if you can't find the stuff, everything is still accessible through my website. So this show will still be embedded through my website. My twice weekly videos will still be embedded through my website. Uh, media.com is the way to find that. Or I, I know I said gay jokes are banned, but Matt is dot gay. You can find the videos that way too. Try it out. Okay. Uh, we got to talk about the election yesterday. Cause uh, depending on who you ask, it was a complete electoral disaster with uh, Democrats outperforming on an Ohio constitutional amendment to protect abortion rights. And then Democrats also took uh, control of the legislature in Virginia. And then they, they held a hotly contested Kentucky governor's race, among other things, on the ballot yesterday. And there are many factors to explain why this happened. It's not as simple as one. But the common thread among at least those races is nothing motivates Democrats and at least many independents to vote like a perceived threat to their ability to uh, kill their kids or their clumps of cells legally. And specifically, that was on the ballot in Ohio, and it was called Issue 1. Issue 1 was a proposal to amend Ohio's state constitution to protect abortion access until the point of fetal viability, or in, in more plain terms, the point at which the fetus could survive outside the womb. Now, that's kind of the Roe v. Wade standard, generally the Planned Parenthood v. Casey standard that was later clarified, that, that formerly under Supreme Court uh, precedent, you had a constitutional right to an abortion uh, up until the point of fetal viability. Of course, Roe v. Wade has been scrapped, rightly so, as a matter of the law, let alone the morality. But now we have states deciding how they're going to handle this issue for themselves. And Ohio voters yesterday said, well, we're just going to kind of carry Roe v. Wade over, that viability standard over. But it does have some pretty ambiguous lines. So even after viability, uh, Abortions are st abortions uh, could still happen in situations that would endanger the mother's life or health. Now, the ambiguous lines here as medical technology advances, viability will be earlier and earlier. So this line that they've drawn is going to shift over time. But that that term health of the mother, possibly pretty loose. Presumably that means mental health, too. So if mom is sad in the third trimester, she just needs a doctor to sign off on killing the baby, potentially. We all know there's no shortage of ideologically driven doctors these days, so such a thing could certainly happen. The measure passed 56% in favor, 44% opposed. This followed another ballot measure in August that attempted to make it tougher to pass this sort of constitutional amendment by ballot measure. That proposal would have required 60% of the vote, but it uh, it also all right. It failed. And so this vote, this vote passed and is now part of the Ohio state constitution. Now, some very interesting things about the exit polling here, because the exit polling showed support for this measure across pretty much every demographic, even men, even white people and even white men specifically. Uh, well, actually, in fairness, white men, I think were 50 50. But you could call that support. You know, maybe they're 50.1. I don't know. The only demographic that actually opposed were those 65 and older. And in what is a fairly shocking statistic, black men were the dominant supporters of the measure. 87% support, even higher than black women. I can see you're thinking of jokes right now. 
I'm Re- really trying to hold back because I'm like, don't get us banned on the first week. Do not get us banned on the first week. Uh, what's uh, we got to I got to grab the uh, I got to grab the LaDonna sounder for for this one from the Sunday show because it's not illegal now. It's not against the law. Oh, fuck you. So congratulations. But you know what? I, like, it's not even necessarily jokes, but there is a there is a severe issue of fatherlessness in the black community. So yeah. I look at this and go, yeah, maybe that was kind of expected to happen that, you know, you get a large amount that go. Well, if I don't have to deal with this at all much, like, you know, I don't have to go running out. I can just not deal with it. Yeah, that, Maybe it makes sense that they hit support and support it in large numbers. Yeah, that's tragic. I mean, this isn't just women saying, I don't want to follow through with the, the physical labor of carrying a child. This is men saying, I don't want to follow through with the responsibility of being a father. I and mean, that's just devastating. Yeah, uh, let yeah. alone, I mean, obviously there's the loss of life component here too, but just from the perspective of fatherhood and rejecting that to the point of you will kill your kid to avoid it those numbers are devastating i will make somewhat of a joke that's maybe slightly edgy margaret sanger would be really proud i guess so so uh okay so we have that that is uh directly enshrining the so-called right to an abortion into the ohio state constitution we also had electoral victory for democrats in virginia Democrats retook full control of the state general assembly, maintaining a narrow hold on the Senate and picking up control of the house of delegates where Republicans had a two seat majority. There was redistricting in Virginia in December, 2021. So some of this result could be um, explained by that. It's, it's not all abortion, but abortion certainly was a motivating factor. Abortion rights advocacy groups spent tons of money in this race Uh, on ads opposing pro-life positions and warning that if Republicans gained control of the legislature, they'd work with Governor Glenn Youngkin to pass the horror of 15-week abortion ban that was coming in. And so they were worried about that in part. And so Democrats are going to not just hold their position in the legislature, but actually gain control of one chamber, thus having control of both. And so you're going to see Virginia in in some sort of uh, political gridlock now, which Uh, Normally, I I don't have a problem with and Actually, I don't necessarily have a problem with uh, because gridlock means not a lot gets done and government not getting a lot done is usually net benefit, not net loss. Though, of course, uh, I would say for the reasons here, the people being concerned about, man, I might not be able to uh, terminate a pregnancy after 15 weeks anymore. That's what gets you to the polls in the context of a country that is rotting from the core. That is sad commentary uh, on our on our society right now. And then there was the, uh, the, the Kentucky governor's race uh, loss for Republicans as well. Democrat governor, Andy Bashir held his seat against Republican challenger, attorney general, Daniel Cameron, 53% to 47%. And this one I think was, was less defined by abortion considering um, after the Supreme court's Dobbs decision last year, Kentucky's trigger law automatically kicked in banned abortion uh, except for threats to life of the mother or permanent injury to the mother. So Kentucky is already pretty restrictive. Um, Bashir was consistently polling ahead of Cameron. Incumbent governors are rarely defeated as a rule. So Bashir had that advantage. Uh, but Democrats did run on abortion anyway, and specifically Bashir himself ran on abortion anyway. So Governor Andy Bashir ran this ad against um, against uh, his challenger, Daniel Cameron, featuring a young woman who says that she was raped by her stepdad And Daniel Cameron would force her to carry that child. 
I was raped by my stepfather after years of sexual abuse. I was 12. Anyone who believes there should be no exceptions for rape and incest could never understand what it's like to stand in my shoes. This is to you, Daniel Cameron. To tell a 12-year-old girl she must have the baby of her stepfather who raped her is unthinkable. I'm speaking out because women and girls need to have options. Daniel Cameron would give us none. Okay. Uh, a completely preposterous but emotionally effective ad, apparently. Just uh, so people are aware, and I'm sure most are, but to remind you, uh, something like 1% of abortions are sought because of rape. Less than half a percent are sought for incest. I know this situation wasn't specifically incest. Does it count as incest if it's your stepdad? Can we get a fact check on that? I don't know. I think it depends on the actual state, but I think in some places that is considered oh. incest. I yes. thought it was a blood a bloodline thing, but uh, maybe I'm well. The, yeah, I mean that's the that's the normal thing, but I think in some places they do consider that mm. um, a familial relationship, whether yeah. it be through blood or through marriage. I don't know if that's you know state to state, uh, area I, to area. Yeah. I don't really know, but yeah. Either way, terrible situation. Obviously bad. But the reason you know that argument is fraudulent is because if you said, okay, I agree. Well, let's say, and I'm not sure that I do because I think there's a compelling argument otherwise, otherwise, but hey, I agree. Let's have a rape and incest exception. You think that these people are going to go, okay, fair enough. Yeah, uh, we'll ban abortion except for rape and incest cases. No, they're not going to say that. They're going to say, well, that's a, that's a start, but really we want abortion for any reason, potentially up to a certain line. But if you believe the polling, abortion for any reason uh, at any time in the pregnancy, which we'll get to in a moment. So, uh, and just following the logic here, does the fact that this young lady, again, terrible thing, got raped mean that, does that mean that anybody should be able to kill a baby at 15 weeks or 20 weeks or a day before viability? No, they're completely different circumstances. And, uh, there's, and by the way, there is a compelling argument that even if she was raped, that calls for punishment for whom I would say the rapist. I, it, does the innocent life in this situation deserve punishment for the rapist's actions? I, it's hard to say that is that earns the innocent life a death penalty. Uh, and, and most importantly, is her case, what are we arguing here? Are we arguing the rule or are we arguing the exception and then trying to expand the exception into the rule? Again, we're talking about under 1% of cases and we're trying to set an entire rule on that basis. But I wanted to talk a little bit on this kind of... Um, is it a, a, a or it's a losing issue sort of narrative that's that's happening? A lot of uh, Republicans, conservatives, non-Democrats, otherwise pro-life people are, are are thinking introspectively and they're looking at these results, not just from yesterday, but from prior elections saying, hey, we got to be honest. This is a losing issue. And there is a there's a point there. Just It's a matter of electoral fact. I think every state where abortion has gone directly to voters since the Supreme Court decision last year, voters have decided uh, or have sided rather with so-called abortion rights. So Kansas, California, Kentucky, Michigan, Montana, even here in Montana, we had that weird case. I don't know if you remember that video I did where uh, we we were it was uh, there was a proposal to punish doctors who let babies born alive die. And that was actually voted down. Yeah, yeah. It was a very no, bizarre. Sorry, case. What was it? sorry, where was that again? That was here in Montana last year. Right. Which was some something of a surprising result. 
I know there've been a few like that, and you had the the Ralph Northam thing. I can't remember where he's from, but he had that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that conversation. We'll make them comfortable. It's like so they're alive. Yeah, we'll keep them comfortable. You don't make a yeah. corpse comfortable, so they're obviously alive when they're born. So yeah. yeah. Uh, and 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 everybody who will defend Northam will say, well, he was talking about babies born with a terminal condition that they were already going to die. And in context, I think that's true. But then you go back and listen to the lady who proposed that legislation, and she gets challenged in in the debate or in it under in its consideration in the in the Virginia State uh, Legislature. And a guy asks her, like, okay, a woman's dilating. Should you be able to terminate the pregnancy at that point? She says, under my bill, yeah, yeah, you should. You should be able to terminate during dilation. So even if Northam maybe misspoke a little bit beyond what he meant, the authors of that bill were not misspeaking at all. But anyway, back to the point that that where this has gone directly to voters, it is consistently sided with so-called abortion rights. There's no arguing it's been a losing issue electorally. But I am seeing some of these calls. Well, you know, let's just surrender this issue entirely or let's just kind of put this to the side and come back to it another day. I think that's a mistake. Uh, I don't think that you have to surrender the issue. You got to persuade on it better, though. I think there's no denying that going to voters right now with uh, abortion restrictions appears to be an electoral loser. That doesn't mean that you surrender the issue. It means we do a better job of persuading people. I say that as a formerly pro-choice person who was presented with better arguments that I just couldn't beat. And I think I discovered some moral clarity on the issue. And so some a reason here to to convince rather than surrender or even compromise on this issue. First of all, I don't think you can really compromise on the most fundamental moral principle. Human life has inherent value or value for its own sake. Every human life has a purpose, a reason that it's here. That is the one piece of moral truth upon which all other morality is built. Why is it wrong to murder your neighbor? Why is it wrong to steal? Why is it wrong to punch some random person on the street? Well, it's wrong because human life has inherent value or inherent purpose. So you are wrong to interfere with or exterminate that value and purpose. And perhaps you might say, well, that's not really a life that we're talking about. It's something else. Well, it is a distinct set of human DNA that you're talking about, Uh, whether that's upon conception or a, a week from birth or a moment from birth. Or me talking to you right now. So if we accept that life and the value of it, uh, I I guess the the, the warning there is, if we go with this idea that that we can just assign the value of life ourselves or define what life is ourselves, and that's not something that exists outside of us and pre-exists us, well, uh, that's going to be a recipe for monstrous evil. Uh, This isn't a life, so who cares? Uh, That's not a human, who cares? Oh, well, it wasn't a life anyway, so does it really matter what we did to that thing? Who cares? Once you remove the inherent value of human life, all evil is possible and potentially justifiable. That's the moral argument. The inherent value of human life is the only thing that gives moral sense to this world. Remove that, and you're going to have problems beyond just the abortion issue, which is a massive problem. The, The moral consequences that follow will be significant and disastrous. But there's also the practical argument. Even if you think you'll win more elections by compromising with these people, I doubt it, actually. They hate conservatives for an infinite list of reasons. This is just the one at the moment. 
What do you think the trajectory is going to be here? You think they're going to stop at viability? Oh, that's good. We got um, we got Roe v. Wade back. That's codified. We're satisfied now. It's kind of like gun control or anything else. Everything's a step. Everything is uh, pursuant to a broader goal. And I mentioned some of the polling on this issue. A Gallup poll this summer found that a majority of Democrats, 60% of them, support abortion being legal under any circumstances. That's the language of the question. Do you, uh, the percent of people saying abortion should be legal under any circumstances, Democrats, self-identifying Democrats, 60%. Okay. How do you think this is going to go if you keep yielding to that position? In what direction is this going to be heading? The proper response to that sort of public opinion is not to say, well, I guess we're outnumbered. I guess they have the majority, so we're going to have to surrender to that for a little while. No, you have to go after that position offensively. At least according to this particular poll. Granted, it's one, but it is a shocking one, and it is recent. A majority of Democrats are in favor of the supposed right to dismember a baby due to be born tomorrow. Make them defend that position. It's a very difficult one to defend to anybody who thinks critically about it for more than five seconds rather than just caving to what is the sort of social pressure to have the commonly accepted opinion at this point. I also uh, want to speak about winning the argument by not granting the points that they commonly raise. And um, a major area that, that should be attacked in this particular line of reasoning is the, is the welfare of the mother. Because yes, the argument about the life of the child is primary, but there's no reason to grant the idea that abortion access is about protecting the woman or mom's welfare. It isn't. Abortion is devastating to those who choose it, moms and dads alike. How do you think it feels to live uh, the rest of your life knowing that you killed, well, you created a son or daughter, but you lacked the decency to take responsibility for that child? And then you actively chose to kill him or her. I I would imagine that's a little bit haunting. And I only know a handful of people in my life who have actually gone through with abortion as moms or dads. Uh, Invariably, and admittedly, my sample size is small. Invariably, they all regret that decision and they're haunted by it daily. But if you doubt that theory, uh, there is plenty of evidence to that effect in practice. A 2020 study on women who took the abortion pill found that 83% said they were changed by that decision, with 77% saying the change was negative. 77% regretted the decision. 38% reported psychological or psychiatric problems, anxiety, depression, drug abuse, and or suicidal thoughts. And that's just the abortion pill, not the more aggressive procedures or methods. A 2018 study in uh, the British Journal of Psychiatry found that women who aborted Uh, or who had abortion experiences. How do they phrase this? Oh, women who aborted, sorry, women who aborted experienced an 81% increase in the risk of mental health problems. This study actually estimated that 10% of the mental health problems for all of society overall were caused by and or related to abortion. Maybe you look at those statistics and you think, well, that's reported by live action, granted a a pro-life advocacy organization, though these studies are are in medical journals. Well, I was reading this today. Very interesting. How about the NIH? Everyone loves Dr. Fauci. He never lies. The NIH never lies. Well, according to a study published on the NIH's own website in 2018, how are these, uh, how's this for a quote here? Quote, and this is, what this was, was a, a literature review 
about both sides of this debate about a link between abortion and negative psychological or mental health effects. This is about kind of reconciling the two sides of that debate. But here's what this particular literature review says about agreement among the parties in that debate. Quote, abortion is consistently associated with more negative mental health outcomes. The abortion experience directly contributes to mental health problems for at least some women. And granted, not all, but at least some. It's a major problem. Granted, this is not the heart of why abortion is immoral, of course, and it's not necessarily why it should be illegal. Uh, the reason it should be illegal is because it's a violation of the rights of the unborn baby. But it is to say that there's room to argue an attack on the premises. If the selling premise here, it appears the premise that everybody seems to buy is that, well, it helps mom. It's good for mom's health. And make sure that mom lives the life that she chooses. Well, there's plenty of evidence to the contrary, that it's actually devastating to mom's life. We aren't protecting mom at all. By enabling this decision or even appearing apathetic to it, like it's just, that's just a health decision as valid as any other. It's like having a knee surgery or something. We are contributing to women's suffering and the data show it. That's another reason not to surrender or, or compromise. And uh, lastly, I don't want to get too blackpilled about it either. Like uh, th there certainly are some states that are trending the wrong direction. And I think uh, enabling this sort of uh, uh, awful, uh, an atrocity, frankly, like this mass murder of, of children in the womb. However, we have to remember where we were just a year and a half ago uh, and prior. It's something like it's 24 states or so roughly half of states have banned abortion at 15 weeks or earlier. Some are tied up in the courts, but it's about half of states that are moving in the opposite direction. They're trying to scale back on all the abortion. So for every state that seems like a major loss for life, and there, there have been several, uh, clearly, as we've discussed, but half the states are headed uh, or trying to head in the other direction, in a pro-life direction. So for the pro-life cause... And for constitutional integrity, which I haven't even talked about yet, uh, and, and that is a significant win in the last year and change, too. This is still a massively better scenario than it was only a year and a half ago. And the last point I'll make on this, on this kind of compromise and surrender, I, I don't think it's just, um, well, I, I, I think it's unwise to, to compromise or capitulate to uh, people who have very little moral clarity about protecting innocent life, as we're discussing, what sort of moral clarity, if any, do you think they have about protecting your life or your rights when it comes down to it? I will present the case that maybe this is a guy who would do some stuff if he was not stopped from doing it. Uh, yesterday in Arlington, Virginia, a man named Matthew Hurt, who is chairman of the Arlington County Republican Committee, was greeting voters and handing out Republican sample ballots, as he legally has a right to do in Virginia, as I understand well, a crazed and presumably progressive man approached him and accosted him for a series of perceived aggressions. When you, you fucking people tried to overthrow the election, you might have been, might as well have been walking up to my head on the way to the polling station, putting a gun to my head, trying to tell me not to vote. And you expect me not to take that fucking personally? You fucking try to overthrow elections with violence? And then you're out here? among decent people thanks for what coming out there what do you have to there. say that huh what and what's on your fucking what's on your fucking uh uh your what are your policy prescriptions 
Have a nice day. You've already fucking been. Fucking rapist rights. Yeah. Involving is... yourself in people's fucking families and their fucking bedrooms. It's pretty wild. You fucking animal. You try to steal my vote next year, I'm going to fucking remember you personally. Thank you. In fact, I'm taking a fucking picture of you. Is that all right? Yeah, you Permission? can. Yeah. It's a one-party consent state. Shitbird? Yeah, one-party state. You want a fucking one-party country is what you want. Hey, sir, how are you? Headed in to vote? Yeah. Can I get your Republican sample ballot? Um, sure, thank you. You know, try not to be buddy-buddy with these people because they, they put on a, the face of a good neighbor, but they support lynch mobs or the fucking KKK or they're <laughs> fucking Bible-beating bigots and freaks. Oh, well, you know, they, they support lynch mobs. The last known one was, what, like 1981? What do you have? Okay, maybe it's just me, but he... Do you guys still have those infomercials where they'll sell you something and then they'll go, but wait, there's more. I don't well, know if you guys um, still have those. What was his name? Billy Mays? He died. Wasn't that his line? But wait. Possibly. Yeah. Seriously. And that seems like you've clipped a little bit. I've seen a bit longer version of that. Yeah, I, I cut it, it for just, time just a hair. But. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But it seemed like he would say something, walk away. And I'm half expecting him to do the, but wait, there's more, and then come back and say something else. Yeah, but wait, there's and more, and he pulls a gun. But he's a Democrat, so he doesn't know how to how to use it, which is lucky. It was just pain. I'm looking at this guy. I kind of feel bad because this guy looks a bit like Rick Moranis. I'm like, I'm like he needs a nickname. I thought like Dick Moranis or something. The proper pronunciation is yeah. Rick Moranis, as we uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, have, there you uh, go. Yeah, clarified on the Sunday yeah. stream as well. Did you catch the, the the guy who shows up after him and is just kind of there to vote? There's if you watch the yeah, video yeah. through, the one of the last frames is that guy looking back at the uh, Republican dude who's filming this, and you can tell he kind of gets it. Like I don't know if that guy's a Democrat or Republican, what his voting intent is, but he seems not insane insofar as he's looking back at the the uh, Republican Party official guy and saying, "Wow, what a kook!" So I appreciated yeah, yeah. that good ending to the story. I also liked the uh, the misunderstanding at the end. The poll greeter guy, the Republican guy is just saying, yeah, it's he's respond. He's the guy asked him, can I record you? And he responds, well, yeah, it is a one party consent state. So that what that means is you have a legal right to record the conversation. Only one person has to consent to the recording. That's what he's referring to. But this unhinged guy interprets that to mean that he favors a one party state, as in one political yeah. party controls the government always. And then he chastises him for it. Oh, you would support a one-party state. Okay, the guy who's going on an aggressive rant at the mere sight of his political opposition in public. That's all that happened here, as far as I understand, unless there was something egregious clipped from the from the video, which I don't think there was. The guy who can't handle the mere sight of his political opposition in public is the one lecturing everyone else about how they're intolerant and they won't have anything to do with their political opposition or dissent very yeah, yeah, ironic it's kind of, yeah it's kind of wild to watch yeah exactly by the way this happened in a county speaking of uh, not tolerating dissent this happened in a county where no republicans were running for treasurer commissioner of revenue sheriff commonwealth attorney clerk of court house of delegates uh or school board all of which were off offices on the ballot but it's so blue apparently that i guess republicans don't even bother so this guy is hanging out in his echo chamber. The mere sight of someone who says, hey, I, I slightly disagree with your uh, political opinion. He can't handle it. So, you know, again, we think about like, well, if we just compromise a little or if we surrender a little, then we'll regain political power. 
I don't know, man. <laughs> there, there are some things worse than electoral loss and teaming up with people like that, I think, is one of them. I know people are tired of losing. I am, too. I don't want to see these people win any more political offices. But if, if you sign up, for, it's like, how do I how do I compromise with communism? How do I compromise with murder? How do I compromise with things that are inherently wrong for their own sake? I'm not saying every Democrat. I'm not saying every policy position. I'm just saying um, a lot of these people, if they had their way, they would shut off this stream. Not only that, they'd come to my house and shoot me in the face and they would explain it away as though I was some kind of wrong thinker or my life didn't matter because reasons X, Y, and Z. To the fundamental premise, if we can't agree on the idea that human life has inherent value and purpose for its own sake, there's really nothing preventing you from engaging in that sort of behavior once you rationalize other definitions which give life value or purpose. So uh, count me out on team uh, compromise or surrender. on the, I, I understand the argument of like, well, you give a little so you can have minor wins now in pursuit of moving the ball later. I don't know, man. The, <laughs> giving a little on the value of life is like that. If you're going to have one absolute value, that has to be it because it is the value from which all others follow. Anyway, you see what happened yeah. to the uh, the <laughs> the porn lady or whatever her deal was, yeah, uh, yeah. Susanna Gibson. Because uh, it's not all bad. Uh, there were some notable defeats. Uh, although maybe, you know, if you were hoping, depending on how clown pilled you are, maybe you wanted these people to win. I'm sorry to report that the, uh, the lady who made porn with her husband for tips on the internet, uh, did not win. She narrowly lost to Republican businessman, David Owen by less than a thousand votes. This was, uh, Virginia's 57th district Northwest of Richmond. She was apparently, I did not know this about her a mom's demand action candidate. So I guess there was truth in advertising on that one. I love, I don't love what they do uh, politically. Mom's demand action is a terrible organization in that regard, but I just love the name mom's demand action because it is hilarious in all contexts, but especially this, after she got busted for her stupid, you know, porn bit for tips with her husband, she still has the audacity to put the badge on her website. Moms demand action. That mom definitely demanded a lot of action and received. In fact, uh, her audience demanded the action too, I think. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, yeah, technically, I'm not sure that Jack's accurate. I think it was the audience that was demanding it. So, you know, audience demands kind of action works, from but... this mom is hard to fit on the badge, though. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't have yeah. as much of a good ring to it as well. So, And then there was Zach Metzger in Minneapolis. And I did a video about this uh, a couple weeks ago. This was the city council candidate who helped block the street for a pro-Hamas rally and then chased an old man uh, down the street while beating on his car and encouraged his Instagram following to track down and find the man. Uh, that guy lost and it wasn't close in the race for uh, race for Ward 13, which is what he was running for, Minneapolis City Council. He only got 8% of the vote. Not even a thousand votes for him. Minneapolis, they use some kind of um, ranked choice balloting now. So I'm not exactly sure how that works, but he's way, way behind the top two. So he will not be uh, representing Hamas on the Minneapolis City Council. Uh, let's see. Oh, it looks like you had some uh, some some thoughts uh, on election stuff, too, before we I, I got to leave enough time for for the Nashville shooter manifesto. But, you know, I think we have a little bit of, of minutes past the hour. If uh, we won't be in trouble, uh, yeah. if you have some thoughts to, yeah. that you want to offer, I was going to say, we're running a little bit late, so I might skip most of them. One thing I will point out of uh, the bundle of cells argument. I haven't specifically uh, made note of this, 
the bundle of sales arguments really annoys me because I guarantee if we went to another another um not country, what's the big round bit planet? That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those. Shut up. All right, yeah, yeah. Uh, if we went to another planet and we found a single celled organism, what would we be saying? We would say we found life. So I really hate the, you know, and even if you want to say, and I think you noted it, even if you want to say, well, it's not a conscious thing yet, well, then why do we keep people on life support? Those people aren't conscious. That's the whole point, you know. It, it, it's a really messy and I think not a very good argument that people tend to make. So Well, and and that's the danger in it too. Uh, I understand that, that people might, that you debate the concept of what a life is. My point here is not that, that I am the arbiter of that. My point is there's got to be an objective definition that exists outside of us. What a life is, is not simply a matter of 50% of the people say so, or the king decreed it. There's some definition of life that pre-exists us. And if we don't start from that premise, well, then we're moving into that territory of, well, a life is only what we say it is. And we've said that's not life. And so if that's not life, well, do whatever you want to it. Does it really matter? And that's, that is the territory we are entering. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's scary territory. I think it's, uh, it's, it's very morally dubious territory and I don't look forward to it, but I hope I, I remain hopeful that we can persuade people on the argument in the same way that people persuaded me. And I just ran yeah. out of ways to, to defeat them. So it's like, well, I must be wrong and they must be right. And here yeah. I am. I, I hope that happens though. You know, going to, uh, trying to have a conversation to persuade your average pink haired, uh, is, uh, well, good luck. That's, that's well, why. I mean- Go ahead, sorry. The people, the people that wear shirts that you know proudly proclaim, "I've had twenty-five abortions." I just don't think there's much point in even trying yeah. to talk to them. Well, quite that's frankly, how it so. kind of started for me. It was when uh, Blonde and I went to um, to Cleveland in 2016. I was doing man on the street interviews, and I talked to a shout your abortion girl who had like an entire her whole leg in a cast for some reason, or like some kind of some kind of brace. And yeah, I remember yeah. talking to her like, "Okay, I mean, I'm kind of at the time, I'm kind of with you on like this." bodily autonomy thing or but but are you serious i guess where you're losing me is that you're proud of the abortion that you want everyone to know because even if i grant your point that it's like it's just a health procedure it's no big deal well then why are you proudly advertising it though because if i just had an e-surgery if i had whatever like that's not a a, a point to brag about publicly it's I, like that's just I a medical a procedure removed yeah okay good for you so that that was a turning point for me, and it took a couple of years after that to really come around. But it's like, man, I thought I had this understood, but then I look at people like that, and that's definitely not right. And I'm having trouble explaining why my premises don't actually support that to some extent. And you know, eventually, I realized that it's all a bunch of bullshit. Anyway, uh, I want to. Uh, we're at the top of the hour here, so sp- strictly, I'm out of time. But I can't. I can't let the Nashville Manifesto story. Uh, go without discussion. So by now you've heard the news, but the story just keeps unfolding. On Monday morning, Stephen Crowder published three pages from the Nashville transgender school shooter, Audrey Hale's manifesto. Uh, As we'll get to, it's unclear what I can or cannot show on certain platforms, but the images of the handwritten pages are out there. You've all probably seen them by now. And they show a lot of what we all suspected they'd show in the more than six months since the uh, March 27th shooting happened. And I I suppose we all, specifically speaking, expected anti-Christian things 
this girl, this school shooter was a, um, she wasn't a girl. She was a young woman, but she was a former student at this Christian school. And it was speculated that she probably just had disdain for whatever happened to her at that school, some sort of Christian teaching, or she was going there for an anti-Christian bias. Now it's possible that she was doing that, but it turns out a lot of the writings that we've now seen are anti-white or perceived white privilege. I know that she's white herself, or at least of pale complexion, uh, but it, it's uh, the writings w- were in part about contempt for crackers and white privilege because these kids uh, have their khakis and sports backpacks going to school in daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. So there's at least some kind of racial theme to it. Notably, she wrote in her plan too on the day, uh, the day of this happening uh, that she would be checking for security before committing the act at the school. Again, demonstrating the concept of gun-free zones is nonsense. But as big as this story is, and as important as the publication of these pieces in the manifesto uh, is, the story is now growing into an even bigger censorship and cover-up scandal, starting with Google and Meta. So on YouTube, uh, which is under Google, of course, they took down Stephen Crowder's video announcing the publication of the leaked manifesto, saying they did so because he included a link to Hale's writings. Now, it's unclear what YouTube means with the standard since other videos discussing this very manifesto and showing images of the writings remain up at this time on the platform. YouTube says that the community guidelines prohibit linking to content containing manifestos from individuals who have committed violent acts. And and they say this policy is consistent with how YouTube has handled the issue in other cases. Well, notably, there are currently videos with hundreds of thousands or millions of views describing Elliot Rogers' manifesto, the uh, Isla Vista shooter in California. What was that, 2014? Uh, Linking to that. And then there's Cho's manifesto at Virginia Tech from 2007 or whenever that. All, All of those remain up. So I would dispute their claim that this is consistent enforcement of the policy. But it's now, now the cover up is uh, continuing into the Nashville Police Department itself. So uh, as far as I've seen, the Nashville Police Department has now confirmed that the writings are in fact authentic. And it was it was believed that this the manifesto, the three pages we've seen, were leaked through law enforcement sources in Nashville. Well, that's all but confirmed now that Nashville police officers are getting punished, or so sources say. Just a few hours ago, Stephen Crowder posted that seven Nashville police officers have now been placed on leave pending investigation of the leak. Crowder says that the powers that be are more concerned about finding the leaker than they are about the contents of the manifesto, which seems to be the case. And then yesterday, Candace Owens alleged that the punishment for the police officers involved may not just be related to the leaking, but potentially to payment for the documents, as in they sold the uh, pictures of the writings. She says that she has a source, uh, identity and role not disclosed, but this source tells her that the leaker at Nashville PD was paid for the documents. Uh, But she's not alleging that Steven Crowder is the one who made the payment. I have been told that two officers are about to be fired for the information that was given to Steven Crowder. I was told that uh, one of the two officers um, accepted payment for the three journals that they released. I am not alleging that Steven Crowder is the person that paid them. I am just telling you that I have been told by the source that some payment took place. So maybe the officers, maybe there's a middleman who knows, but that these two officers are going to lose their jobs over the release of this information. So you can discern from that what you will. 
Okay. With no description of, of who's saying this, and I understand she probably has to protect her sources, but without knowing who said that, even in what role they have, I would take that with a massive grain of salt. Uh, you would think that if, if the person was selling this and that was their motivation, they probably could have sold it a long time ago. Uh, did you have a thought on that? I do want to interject just from experience of um, for those new to the call and show before it finished last week or that have been here the first time uh, I have a journalism degree. It is one thing we covered was um, uh, anonymous sources. And I've got to be honest, I am so sick of how often they're used these days. Congratulations, butthead. I think, sorry, was that directed at me? Yeah, that's for your journalism degree. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember. I still remember the class. That was how. I, that was how I, I kind of absorbed information. So I would sit there. I wouldn't take notes. I'd just sit and listen. I can still remember the class where they basically say to us, uh, "Anonymous sources should pretty much never be used." The analogy I would use is anonymous sources are to journalism what Wikipedia is to like a, a college paper. Really great launching point. If you're using them within your story, it's, yeah, not good. You shouldn't yeah, be I mean, doing that. I wouldn't say it's a never thing because I understand that people have roles to protect yeah, and stuff. But, yeah. it, but it is like it's a take with a grain of salt scenario. And I'm not saying that to discredit Candace. I'm just saying I wouldn't fully buy into it without knowing who's saying this and why. And the other thing, I could see this as a as a made up accusation to discredit the leakers, too. You want to attack yeah, the yeah. credibility of the leakers. Just say that they had some something financial to gain out of doing this. That maybe that's the angle. Yeah. Uh, but some some takeaways uh, on this particular piece of news, and then we'll wrap up for the evening. Uh, there is preserving the integrity of the investigation, and then there's a cover up. Okay. So I would I would assume my read on what happened here. I'm going to assume that the leaker, who again is believed to be within the Nashville Police Department, the feds have access to this too. So maybe there's some Fed angle on it. But I would assume that this leaker provided the information with the understanding that the investigation is all but over. So maybe this maybe Nashville PD or whoever this source is who leaked it has actually been trying to do the right thing and saying, okay, the police department doesn't necessarily release evidence until the investigation is concluded. I'm going to allow them to do that. But if at the end they just try to bury this and act like it never happened or we never actually see what's going on here. Uh, well, then I will go ahead and release this because it's in the public's interest uh, to do that. And I would agree that it's in the public's interest to do that. I, I, I'm not necessarily an opponent of saying, let's hang on to evidence until the investigation is complete and then we'll release all of it. Uh, the standard just can't be a forever hold on evidence, though. When people commit horrible crimes, as this was, the public does have a right to know about who and how and why this happened. So we can all make the best assessment about how to respond and prepare to defend against it. Uh, so I think in this particular case, it's pretty apparent the evidence was withheld not to protect the integrity of the investigation in the interest of releasing all that information to the public later. It, it was withheld for what appears to be the sole reason of the powers that be uh, don't want anti-transgender or anti-progressive sentiment to be the result of the release, it, it would seem pretty apparent this was withheld for politics, not for truth seeking or the integrity of an investigation. And if these officers do get fired again, reporting is that several are on leave. Candace is saying several, at least two are going to be fired outright. I do hope they they identify themselves. Uh, 
if they're able to do that, I don't know what legal consequences they might face. Maybe there are some. I do think that they did the right thing in this case. I hope they're able to talk about it. And speaking of guest gets, I'll assign you to that. Go find these Nashville police officers and get them on the show. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. I can go looking for it. By the way, I, while while I think of it, um, I don't know if you're happy with me handing out the official email I have, email address I have. I know you mentioned Ooh. it one time for... Um, for a let's uh, withhold that for now and maybe we can set up okay. one you, what's the purpose that you're thinking of for it in terms of um i know we've had some guests that have either approached you directly or you had the guy recently that was a neighbor of the guy that got shot by police yeah yeah and i'm thinking it probably wouldn't hurt to utilize the the um audience if you know the officers if you oh, yeah. kind of absolutely have a just like a tips email them. like tips at yeah, yeah yeah um and i just mean that in general for guests in general not necessarily yeah. specifically for this story if people uh have some sort of connection with the story and we're kind of talking about potentially getting them on um yeah maybe we maybe we get people to help us out and you utilize the network of of um of listeners and viewers yeah. and for now and i for the audience i don't mean to imply that like oh you can't contact us i just want to make sure that i'm setting up the right channels for that so yeah, yeah. anytime you want to contact me, you can get me through my email Matt that's publicly at, available, Matt at MattChristensenMedia.com. I don't have the baddies.gay. You got it before I could. Yeah, but uh, not through email, at least for now. But there's also, yeah. if you can't remember that, and my name's too damn long for, for you to figure it out, uh, just head on over to my website, and there's a contact box on the site. I welcome information there, too. But uh, man, other than that, I, I got to wrap it there. We're 10 minutes past what is supposed to be a strictly limited Matt Christensen hour. So uh, do you have any closing thoughts before we finish up here? So I will say, I, I, I will say, uh, you know, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening uh, to wherever you guys have been listening to, uh, listening from rather. Uh, appreciate you guys being here. I do want to quickly add to the story we just talked about. Firstly, I'm really curious why kids and the fact that she kind of looked at, I love the fact that everyone's referring to her by she and the female name. No one's abiding the nonsense. Yeah, of, I guess oh, I, didn't, I didn't take a tally of what pronouns were used. Yeah. Yeah. But, I'm, but it's not just you. I'm seeing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact no one's abiding by this and going, no, she's a murderer. We, you know, we're not, she's not owed respect. Um, so I'm wondering why kids and she did she has talked about um, you know checking security and stuff like that. So I'm wondering if it's just an ease of of not expecting as much um, resistance for lack of a better well, way of putting it. I don't mean to be too dark about it, but it's uh, six months in the past, so I guess we can make jokes. Um, she wrote in her diary, "I hope I have a high kill count." I, I, she was not even close to a high kill count. It was th- yeah, it was yeah. three lives lost, and that's terrible. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, in the grand scheme of mass shooters, she was not particularly successful, and she got rocked. Remember the uh, the body cam video of her getting destroyed by those police officers? Yeah, she pretty much just crumpled from yeah. memory. She kind of just hit the ground. Yeah. yeah. So that that's one thing I'm curious about, and I don't think it's addressed in that. I've looked at the thing a little bit. I haven't had a, a proper look through it. So I am curious why kids, I also hate the idea and I understand why it has to be done. I hate the idea of we can't see things because of investigation. Chris Ray does this all the freaking time and it annoys me because I look at it and go, if you're going to hide things under the premise of investigation, it just means you're always going to have some sort of investigation. To well, get. it does it create incentive be... for a forever investigation, which seems like what's That's going right. on with it... Hunter Biden. One of the things I want to talk about tonight, but we don't just don't have time is... 
Yeah, yeah, uh, they've yeah. subpoenaed and, Hunter and James Biden to show up and testify. Yeah, yeah, and Hunter's lawyer says that. they're going to do yeah. it. But perhaps we'll get into that on Sunday or, you know, another time. If it actually happens, it's supposed to happen December 13th. But uh, yeah. I got to wrap it up. But uh, yeah, fair enough. But hey, um, um, but we have, we'll have to talk about that with guests. I'm happy to try and track them down. But uh, yeah, we'll have to figure you're out. You're going to have to go to Nashville to find these people. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. You have to figure out a, pro- a process for audience to help out if they happen to know yeah. people. So. Internet sleuths, please come work for us. But uh, but hey, thank you, Tim, for helping to make it a uh, successful first episode. And of course, thanks to everybody tuning in tonight and later on demand for, for making the uh, inaugural episode of the Matt Christensen Hour a success. It is very much appreciated. Here's to many more, I hope. I hope it's just one of hundreds, maybe even more than that, but it'll be each and every Wednesday night at 9 Eastern. If you'd like more to listen to from me, of course, head on over to Matt Christensen Media dot com and have a great night we'll see you next week good night guys